It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, the Paul Bunyan Trophy is back in Ann Arbor after the Michigan Wolverines took their visits against the Michigan State Spartans last Saturday. But it's what happened after the game in the tunnels of the big house that has stolen the conversation and marred the 115th meeting between the two rivals. An all-around unfortunate situation indeed, but one we must discuss nonetheless on episode 90 of MLive's Spartan Confidential Podcast. Coming up, we'll share everything we know about the incident, uh, including the fallout and perhaps what it means for the rest of Michigan State's season. We'll also work in some reaction to the basketball team's exhibition win over Grand Valley State later in the show. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on Wednesday, November 2nd, 2022. Guys, thanks for being here. Um, Like I said, we can talk about the game and what happened on the field in a bit here, but unfortunately, uh, we need to get into what happened after the game first. And Kyle, uh, obviously an unfortunate situation, but you were down there in the tunnel and sort of witnessed this with your own eyes, so... Um, you know, if you have time for us, you know, to squeeze in between your national uh, radio <laughs> duties, uh, could you could you uh, share uh, sort of what you witnessed down there? Oh, I will not abandon the pod. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, but out, Dan Patrick, get out yeah, of here, bro. <laughs> um, so um, I left the press box with probably about two minutes left in the game because at Michigan Stadium, you got to walk down, you got to go down from the press box and go all the way around the whole stadium to the other side um, for interviews. And it takes a while. So um, the game was obviously uh, in hand uh, at that point. So left, walked around um, and where Michigan State was holding its interviews is about halfway down the tunnel. Um, and just just to give people an, an idea of the setup of the tunnel, it's it runs really the length under the bleachers, which is probably ends up being what 30, 40 yards, would you say, Matt? Um, in there e- easily, yeah. easily, yeah. So it's longer than most tunnels, um, and it's it's pretty narrow. Um, we don't go in the tunnel in every single stadium, but it's um, it's pretty tight in there. So, um, I get there, I go to about halfway down the tunnel, um, and, and that's where Michigan State holds its interviews in a little room right off there. And was going to go sit down and start setting up and, um, actually, credit to Chris Solari from the Detroit Free Press, he said, Hey, you know, let's let's just watch, um, let's just watch what happens down this tunnel because um saturday was not the first incident um um, in the tunnel there obviously there have been lesser ones involving peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and and stuff like that (laughs) um but you know it was a heated rivalry so you know we watch players come down and for a while it's um it's what you expect it's dejected looking uh michigan state players um some kind of shouting you know just being frustrated um but it's the typical stuff you see and then really kind of very suddenly out of nowhere um we just have a group of players kind of right in front of us um who are all 
kind of, as you can see in the videos that I'm sure everybody listening has watched, um, you know, in a circle. And from where I was, I was really confused because at that point, I thought only Michigan State players were in the tunnel. And all I could see was Michigan State players in a circle. I honestly thought maybe there was like a intra-team fight, you know, like these guys were getting on each other. Uh, they were so frustrated. Um, and it took me a while to realize that in the middle of that, there was a Michigan player on the ground. Um, so this was, um, you know, what sticks out is just the number of guys that were involved against one Michigan player, um, mostly shoving, but um, a few kicks, uh, a few punches and, whole thing only lasts 15, 20 seconds um, of all that. And then um, the Michigan player kind of sports out, which you can see um, and gets going towards the locker room and things kind of, things kind of break up and come to find out later that was only one of several incidents going on at the time, but um, it happens quickly. You know, me and Matt Charbonneau and Chris Solari were there, got bumped into a little bit, but it wasn't anything too, um, too hectic. And then, Past that, it, you know, it was a lot of, sh it was mostly just shouting um, and, but people were kind of getting corralled towards the locker room at that point. So it really didn't take very long. It was about 30 seconds or so of, um, of violence. And then, um, and, and then they were kind of cleared up, but um, obviously what I saw was not the extent of everything that we saw in Mets. Matt has done the full, I think, Zapruder film analysis of every frame um, that we've seen. So maybe he can fill in everything else that, that happened there too. Yeah, I, I was like Kyle said, I was not there. I was finishing the game story and uh, trying to get down from the press box when I start to see the tweets and think, oh, this is going to be great. Um, so, yeah, big pain to try to get there. But um, as far as the 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 video, what, what Kyle and, and Chris and Matt witnessed, um, you know, that's, you know, we've looked at that. Um, the other incident that that was captured by ABC's tunnel cam which is at the end of the tunnel um you don't really you don't really see what happened in the in the the instance that kyle witnessed what you do see is another one involving uh jamon green uh kari crump and jacoby Winden in, in a group so we still don't know a couple of things one what started this um because we still haven't figured that out um but there were two so there, obviously everybody's watches probably knows this but there were you know there have been instances, so they're keeping the team separated. So Michigan players and Michigan State players are jawing back and forth after the game's over. They're separated. Michigan player, State players are going up the tunnel. Michigan players are on the field celebrating with the Paul Bunyan Trophy. But but the two Michigan players got up the tunnel for, we don't know why, uh, Jamon Green and Jaden McBurrows. Obviously, probably shouldn't have been there at the same time, um, but that doesn't excuse anything that happened, obviously. So something happened to start it. And the, the video from ABC, you can you don't see it started, but you can see um, Kari Crump uh, swinging his helmet on uh, on uh, green, which uh, obviously you can't do that. Uh, that's a big problem. And Jacoby Winman, who is walking away at the time, you know, he's on his way back to the locker room. He turns around, he puts his helmet back on and engages with um, green while Crump is swinging a helmet on him. Now, I'm not going to – people can take – there have been vastly different opinions on what Jacoby did, but when I saw the video and just saw what he did in comparison to what some other players that did that were suspended, I was surprised he wasn't suspended first. I don't know if Mel and, and Alan Haller had seen that video um, when they announced the initial suspensions on Sunday night of four players, but after that was released Monday, you obviously have what happened 
uh, yesterday with four more players being suspended. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a very ugly look. Um, you know, you, it, it's really, it looks really bad for Michigan State as a as a university as a program, um, and and for Mel and his team, obviously. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll say like you mentioned, and I think it's important. We don't know how it started. Um, I didn't see it. None of the videos captured it. But I also don't think there's really any way it could have started that justifies what we saw in our videos. And yes, you know, it, it was it was an unfortunate situation where the two players were in the tunnel with a bunch of Michigan State players. That also doesn't justify it. The tunnel itself is a bad setup, frankly. That doesn't like these are all important details to talk about. But at the end of the day. Um, this is completely on Michigan State players making terrible decisions um, and, you know, making violent acts that are totally unacceptable. Absolutely. All the people out there trying to say, but what about this? But what about that? that no, just, okay, fine. We don't know what started, like Kyle said, and we don't, and the tunnel can be an issue as was shown, but none of that justifies, what, 10 guys around one, one right. um, McBurrows at once. You're not I mean, defending no, yourself. Swinging that. a helmet. I mean, that's, none of that is justifiable. So, there you go. I mean, this is a game, you know, we're playing a game here. There's no reason for any sort of physical violence. It's the same thing with Juwan punching a guy on the court. There's no room for any of this in sports and it needs to be punished accordingly. I thought Michigan state is at least uh, after they suspended the four more guys, I thought Michigan state has at least responded in the way that they have to now, um, you know, because, you know, a lot of people were up in arms because it was like, Oh, you suspended a bunch of guys who weren't on the field and Jacoby women's right there doing something. But, they fixed that. I think that was just a matter of getting more, uh, gathering more information. But there's a lot of talking points that people have tried to get on. Oh, the tunnel. James Franklin just said this. You know, uh, should they have done a better job of separating them coming off the field? I mean, they did that when I played sports in high school. Like they separated us, even when there was no rivalry. So you can talk about that. I know people have tried to expand the conversation to be more of like a bigger scope. Was it the Free Press or Detroit News that came out with the story that said we were or the column? you know, that was kind of trying to put blame on everything for having this sort of well, boil over. I mean, I, let me just say, how do you, I know that the incident is the incident. It occurred, but like, do you put any sort of stock into the the fact that this rivalry has sort of as a whole gotten increasingly more, uh, I don't know, nasty? Because for a long time, it, it felt like the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry was, it was, in, it was intense, but it was more just like petty and for fun because like we all live in the same state. You live, work, and play with Michigan fans. Same thing with Michigan State fans. It seems like lately, maybe it started with D'Antonio really dialing up the the animosity. Maybe it started with, you know, Devin Bush kicking up the Spartan logo, sticking a stake in the field. You know, Michigan's throwing deep up 29 to 7. It just seems like the respect factor isn't there for the rivalry anymore. And in the fan base, whether it's social media or whatever, it just has turned nasty. Like to the point where like, we're talking about a game here. I mean, do you think any of that stuff plays into this? I mean, it's, that's, I'm not a player. I'm not one of those guys. I couldn't tell you, you know, I think that's a separate thing, but, it has but I become, think we know that Mel has played up the hatred aspect. Well, every you know, coach the same way D'Antonio did. Yeah. I mean, it's become increasingly toxic. There's no doubt about that. Um, that part of that is social media, um, obviously. Um, and that's, you know, players hear that stuff. They see that stuff. I just thought, you know, we, we all know what Mark did with the rivalry. He, he relished it and, and you know, that was, that he made that the game, and, and obviously Michigan took Michigan State took that game more seriously than, than Michigan did, I think, for a number of years. Um, I just thought it was different with Mel. Um, you know, he 
as much as he's like Mark in a lot of ways as a co- as a coach from a coaching standpoint, I just I didn't think we were going to get to the point like where you know like when Jim and Mark are you know taking shots at each other on Twitter going back and forth. Mel just seemed like he didn't have any time for that, and you know that just wasn't the thing he was going to do. And really, I mean, look at the first two games they play. It was fine. You know, the COVID year, they're they're I mean, no problems, right? Last year, great game, no real problems, right? And then this year, it was just. I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, like they, there was some you know, chippy stuff on the field last year, well, I will say, but well, nothing yeah, that was, yeah, but there's always going to be chippy stuff on the field. You know, that's yeah. just, I think that's part of it, you know, nothing ugly, you know, like what we saw on Saturday and it just, you know, it doesn't, again, doesn't reflect well when you have that many people doing that around one and there's not, and you don't have nearly enough people trying to deescalate the situation and stop it. That's a, that's a big problem. Um, but it yeah, is a they, big difference between having like 10 guys ganged up on because we've seen fights on fields before after games, but usually it's like, you know, team on team. Yeah. yeah. You know, that, it's, it's a little yeah. different than when it's like a guy basically getting beat on by 10 dudes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So they need to find a way to cool this off. Um, That's absolutely. what I was going to say. Like we need to figure out a way to turn down the temperature on this. Um, not, not just for the players on the field, for all the fans, uh, everything that we see on social media, like, it's heading in the wrong direction. It needs to stop somehow. Um, and, and I'm not sure I have a great answer for that. Um, you know, I know one Michigan State media member was suggesting take a couple of years off. Um, you know, whenever you get rid of, whenever you get rid of divisions, you know, just don't make it a protected rivalry. Don't play every single year. Um, I don't think that would be popular, but it's an idea. Um, you know, I've, I, I think maybe the coaches, athletic directors need to just come out together and say, Hey, you know, this is a game. This is not, you know, it's not okay the way it's going. We respect each other. We're not going to be keep because, you know, like this was the only one that was really violent and like, was the stake a big deal? No. Was Devin Bush, you know, tearing up the field a big deal? No. But it's like, now you kind of, I see them in a different context now. You know, the little I mean? brother I, stuff. The little brother I mean, stuff. It, that was just words. A lot of it was just words, but I see that kind of ramping up now um, to where we got to on Saturday. So, um, maybe smarter people than me can know the best way to kind of turn the temperature down for the players and for the fans. Um, but I, I think yeah, like Matt said, we got to figure out a way to, to kind of reverse the course of what, the way things have gone here. And it's also stupid. You know, it's like, it's a game. Like you mentioned, Brandon, like, you know, people are, you know, they live together in the state. Kyle and I are walking into the stadium on Saturday, uh, you know, walk, we, we park, you know, about a mile away in this ramp. So you're walking down main street. And there's tons of tailgates and you see Michigan and Michigan state fans, you know, there are people in the group in green people in maize and blue, all that they're mingling, having fun. Everybody's having a good time. Just, you know, I, I get rivalries are fun and it gets heated and stuff like that, but you, it shouldn't get to the point where, you know, we're talking about criminal charges being filed in lawsuits. So. Yeah. My, my wife's whole family are huge Michigan fans. I mean, I, I live with it every day and it doesn't need to get to the point where, you know, literally physical blows. I mean, I know it's hard right after a game and things are emotional, you know, in terms of turning down the heat, I think it's got to start within the two programs mm-hmm. and, you know, it's got to start with the little brother stuff. And it's, you know, you hear that over and over from the Michigan state side, and then you get pounded into the pavement and, you know, I'm sure that the guy, you know, there's a lot of chirping and jawing going on and, you know, you got to control your emotions, but when you got, you know, I'm just gonna say it, Braylon Edwards is out there running his mouth constantly challenging Xavier Henderson, you know, like you got, you got former players on both sides that are out there all the time. You got, you know, both sides seemingly having a lack of respect for the other on the field as well. I mean, Michigan's throwing deep up 29 to seven with two minutes left. 
there's just a lot of things that, you know, it, it doesn't seem like there's respectful competition anymore. You know, it just no. feels like you're trying to make the other side look bad. And obviously Michigan State did that to themselves. But, uh, you know, it, it's just I think it's got to start from the inside because the fans are going to be the fans. And, and Twitter is not real life either, I yeah. will say. Yeah, yeah, true. And Mel had mentioned it going into the game. He said, you know, he talked about all the rivalries he's been a part of and he's been a part of great ones. Um, he said he thinks that, you know, those great rivalries, there should be an underlying respect. And there should be. That was not we didn't see that on on Saturday. As far as Michigan State season here, I mean, they, they just lost eight defensive players uh, that have all been suspended. Matt, maybe you can list them because I don't think we have, just in case anyone's missed yep, it. But yep. one of them is Jacoby Winman, who's, what, the three-time Big Ten player, defensive player of the week, yep. arguably Michigan State's best, most consistent player all season. Uh, we don't know if they're going to have them the rest of the year. So Michigan State still has a season to finish here. They still have a chance at a bowl game starting this weekend at Illinois. Um you know, it seems unlikely at this point, but you know, what does this mean for the Spartans moving forward on the field? Um, so yeah, just to run down the names, uh, Sunday night was the first four. So Tank Brown, who's a linebacker defensive end, however you want to put it, he hasn't played a ton, but uh, mentioned Kari Crump already. Um, he's a reserve defense cornerback, hasn't really played a lot. Angelo Gross, uh, he is a starter. Um, nickel safety, whatever you want to, however you want to put it, wherever they line him up. And Zion Young, defensive end, true freshman, and he has been starting the last, he started the last two games. Uh, and then the second wave that came last night was Malcolm Jones, true freshman, um, corner, uh, another guy who hasn't really contributed a ton, but he's, you know, did enough to dress. Um, Justin White, former walk-on, put on scholarship this year. Uh, Nickel got one start there. Nickel corner slash emergency safety, however you, however you want to put it. Um, mentioned Winman, obviously, and then uh, Brandon Wright, uh, uh, defensive end who's started a couple of games. So, yeah, I mean, you can only dress 74 players on the road at a Big Ten game. Eight of them are all, uh, eight of them are now gone from your last road game. So, do the math on what that means for your, your depth. At defensive end, you know, because Winman started his first two games there before, or first six games there, excuse me, before moving back to linebacker. Um, so you can start with kind of throwing him in there at defensive end, but now Zion Young, who was a starter, Brandon Wright, who had started before, um, Winman, obviously, and then Tank Brown, just because I guess technically he fits in there. You got Jeff Petrowski, who's been out, what, five straight games. Um, he dressed last week, but didn't play. Chris Bogle, who took over the starting role when, when Petrowski went out and then got hurt himself, hasn't played since. So all of a sudden, what are you left with? You got Michael Fletcher, who became a starter all of a sudden. Avery Dunn came back last week. And then you got Deshaun Mallory, who used to be, what, 300, damn near 350 pounds before he lost all that weight. And now he's playing defensive end. That's pretty much it. <laughs> you know, if you get Petrowski back, that's a big deal. But doesn't seem like Bogle's coming back anytime soon. So Petrowski questionable. So you're looking, if Petrowski even comes back, you've got really four guys at defensive end that have played. I mean, Chase Carter, I think, got in, a true freshman, got in like one game this year, maybe early, a couple snaps, and that's it. So that's going to be a problem against an Illinois team that loves to pound the ball on you. So, um, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, at least they're not going up against the number one yeah, rusher in America yeah, this week. Yeah, you know? exactly. So big, <laughs> big, big depth question uh, defensive end. You're going to have these guys because they like to rotate a lot. Where's your – you don't have a rotation anymore, really, if you're – talking about like three four dudes i mean they, i would be really interested to know like are do they have guys like flipping sides right now or they have guys playing you know do you have 
some tight ends all of a sudden are playing defensive end right now. Just because yeah, out of everyone's necessity. favorite punter turned tight end turned defensive uh, end, baby. Yeah, let's go. There you go. <laughs> um, and then linebacker. Right, do you want me to break down the other? I mean, I sure, this go point. ahead. All right. Let's, so, well, obviously, Windman had moved to back to linebacker. So, if you're talking for the uh, four two five, it was him and Halliday. If you're talking four three, it was uh, him, Halliday, and Brule. Uh, it was mostly four two five last week. So, you take him out of the mix. What do you got? <laughs> um, well, he replaced in that setup in the four two five. He replaced Ben Van Sumeren, um, who was the previous starter. Um, so you think, well, he just put Van Sumeren back in there, but he didn't even travel to Michigan, and we don't know why. So there's an injury issue, it seems like. So if you don't have Winman and you don't have Van Sumeren, um, you've got you got Halliday. You you'd be asking Brule to play out of position. Um, Ma, <laughs> yeah, that would be the other one you go with. Was was Nao Taylor Tay? So. I mean, snow's out for the year. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's what they're looking at. Um, so, for you the, know, uh, not- for the betting incline, I don't know if you guys have watched the line. It moved from 10 <laughs> when it opened yeah. on Sunday to 16 and a half um, as of when we're recording now. And uh, spoiler alert for our picks on Thursday, I'm still picking Illinois to cover it. <laughs> uh, same here. I changed my uh, pick. I think I can't remember if I had him covering 16 before. You had them. You had them not covering my hand. Nah. Time. Okay. Yeah, I changed it today. I wanted well, to update my prediction because of the extra guy suspended, and um, yeah, I'm <sighs> not taking the. I'm going to take them to cover. And then the other, you know, with with no Kim. I'm sorry, with no uh, gross. You know, that's going to create a shuffle in the back end of their defense. Um, they've got some flexibility back there, especially good getting uh, Henderson back a couple games ago. Kendall Brooks returned um, for the Michigan game, and he had three TFLs. So those are your safeties. And then Mangum was Jaden Mangum, true freshman, was back in uniform, which is good to see after that scary injury against Ohio State. But the nickel spot, you know, it's different. Um, so what are you going to do with it? I mean, Gross was a kind of, you know, you know, corner nickel safety kind of guy, mostly safety and nickel. So what do you do here? You can put Chester Kimbrough back in there. That's an option, but, you know, he got benched for a reason. So after that, you know, Justin White's a guy who he suspended too. So, um, yeah, I mean, you, you, you're going to put a true freshman like Caleb Coley or somebody out there, or are you going to change positions with somebody (laughs) or you can, I mean, with maybe with Mangum back, you, you, I don't know that Brooks is, I don't know how long, you know, if he, if he's a guy that can play nickel, I mean, I don't think you asked Xavier to do that. I don't think you, I don't think you asked Mangum to do that. He's real light to be playing nickel against a big run heavy team. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know they've used guys in different ways and been versatile, but uh, we, I have, we'll, we'll have to see. It's not good. We should say quickly, uh, since you brought up Henderson and uh, Kendall Brooks, it looked like him, those two, and Derek Harmon were probably doing more than anyone to defuse the situation in the tunnel based on the video. Har- Harmon was um, pulling away Crump, yeah. And yeah, then Henderson. So we should give them some credit, I think, yeah. for, for at least somebody doing something. I wish there would have been more, but that yeah. shows leadership from those guys. Uh, Henderson was seen late in the video, um, kind of steering everybody, telling everybody to get in the locker room. Um, so, and that's what you expect from a guy like Xavier. You know, he's, you know, we we love talking to Xavier. So, uh, um, he's you know he's a senior, he's a leader. He knows he he's a good guy. But um, so yeah, I, I mean that, that's that's basically where they're at with the suspensions, unless there are more that are coming down. 
the racism coming from the other side is disgusting too. I'll just say that real quick uh, on comments on social and stuff. The whole thing is just brought out the worst in people and it stinks. Uh, it really stinks. It's sort of ruined the whole experience this year for me. But um, in, in terms of on the field, Michigan state hung around early, obviously uh, Keon Coleman with a big, with a nice catch. Um, I thought Michigan state came out and played well. I mean, the first three plays, they were moving the ball and then, you know, you get that unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, which did we ever find out what happened on that one? I couldn't see anything. Had to I, have been John or something. I, um, and that probably, sort of killed the drive. But. And I never saw a replay that showed it and I was looking for it. Um, but I mean, yeah. that's just been the deal with, with, with Horst. I mean, that's been, you know, he's and you know, they're going to call it tight. In it's a, a personal game. foul waiting to happen. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the fact that he hasn't been benched for something like that will, is, I guess, will tell you what they think of the, you know, the backup, which would probably be Brandon Baldwin. Um, but um, yeah, so drive killer right there. And, and, you know, that was one of two turnovers and downs in the first half when they had a chance, they had a chance, they took a lead and then they had a chance to take a lead again when they were down 10, seven, get in the red zone. And yeah, I mean, they Very get a fourth, poor play call. fourth and one from was. the fourth and one from the five and you coming out of a timeout and it's the slow developing run play to Jalen Berger and he's got no, no shot. There were three guys in the backfield on him. Um, you know, we talked to uh, Peyton and, and Xavier yesterday. Um, Peyton took the blame. He said, that's on me. I should have checked out of it and, and ran a sneak. Um, Cause he was actually under center in that play. Um, he also said two plays before that he, he thought he, he should have checked out of the, the run play they had because he had a matchup. He thought he could take advantage of the Jaden Reed, but thought, well, it's only second down where, you know, we got a chance. And he, so, I mean, credit Peyton, you know, he, he's staying responsibility for stuff, but it's not all on him, obviously. Um, I, yeah. I mean, I thought overall defensively or offensively, I thought, you know, you saw something there early, especially with Keon Coleman. Um, and then the second half is just non-existent. You know, they were three and out twice in the third quarter, both possessions, the third quarter, eight yards, you know, they had 63 yards of total offense in the second half. 51 of them came on that catch by Keon in the fourth quarter when they were down by 22. So the offense just completely disappeared. I thought the defense showed showed fight. I, I think if you went into that game and said, you're going to give up 29 to Michigan, really only 22 of that is on the defense. You know, they that would have probably taken it. Um, I know Michigan ran for a ton of yards, but 276 or whatever it is. Um, They're doing that to everyone. Yeah, yeah, but you know they have a they have a great running back. They have a great offensive line. Um, but a part of that is your you know your offense can't stay on the field. Your defense can get off it. They're going to wear you down. Um, but you know I just defensively I thought they did enough. I thought you know they got the stops. It was reminiscent of last year where you're giving up yards but you get in the red zone and people you know Michigan's got red zone issues so that's part of it. But you know you hold them to five field goal attempts. That was what killed Michigan last year. That's why they didn't win the game last year settling for field goals and Michigan state was scoring touchdowns, but um, you got the, the long snapper problems and it's kicker yeah. Uh, yeah. Kicker problems, long snapper problems. The longer snapper problem leads to your, your best weapon, your punter being, I mean, I think that's probably affected his preparation, you know, when he doesn't know where the ball is going to be, you know, that's a, you know, it's a routine based thing. So yeah, they got, they got, got issues. Michigan is, I mean, I hate to say it, but they, they have a good team this year. I mean, they're, they're very solid up front on both sides of the ball. They can run the ball. I think that they, you know, more than anyone in the country, maybe more than Georgia and Bama and Tennessee, they know what they are on offense. You know, they have an identity, which is what Harbaugh wants to do, you know, run the Brock. Absolutely. They want, 
you know, it's that's what Michigan State. That's what Mel wants to do too. He, that's mm-hmm. exactly what you want to do. That's what most coaches, especially in the Big Ten, want to do. You know, I mean, so you got some guys that want to air it out and throw for four hundred a game, but you know, guys like Jim and Mel, that's grind it out, pound it on the ground, throw it when you have to, but impose your will up front and and go from there. And uh, Michigan State is just not able to do that. They're averaging like fifty-seven point some yards or whatever in rushing uh, last six games. So. Anything else on this or should we get on to basketball? Obviously an evolving situation and we'll stay on top of any of the developments that, that come out. And I, well, there is the criminal aspect of this. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with that. Obviously that attorney down in Ann Arbor has been in the news, but uh, I, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I, I don't know if you can get assault charges. I don't know. The guy who's swinging the helmet. I think you certainly I can, can see get that. assault charges. I, yeah. Absolutely. I would yeah. be the swinging surprised. The helmet, I, or everything. I, yeah, I, th- I think more than just him. I think, the, I think, wait, it's Car Crump, right? That we see yeah, him in yeah. the helmet. I, I think yeah. he's the most likely, but um, I think there's a good chance in this other. And I think the criminal aspect is why we haven't heard from Michigan State or the Big Ten beyond just these indefinite suspensions. Um, I think everything is kind of waiting on um, the law enforcement process to play out. And shoot, man, I don't know. I've covered law enforcement stuff that takes a while, but I have to think that they're going to be under the gun to um, to figure this out pretty soon here. Yeah, I would be surprised if there are criminal charges for some of the people involved. I don't know about all of them, um, but you know, from what we saw, video evidence, yes. Now, it'll probably be just, you know, it'd be misdemeanor um, assault charge or something, but um, yeah. From a football game, that's that's just embarrassing. Well, it's I mean, not a whole... Fo- the- yeah, it's not. Yeah. A football. I mean, it's what happened. I mean, you take away the football aspect; it's still an assault. If you got ten, no, dudes no, I'm not arguing game. that. I'm oh, just okay. saying. I'm, I'm just saying, yeah. like, it's ridiculous that a football game is causing oh, yeah, this much absolutely. stuff. Um, you know, it's it's just unfortunate. It's unfortunate for anyone who's associated with Michigan State. You know, it's is it an isolated group of guys? Yeah, it looks like it, but that's not how people nationally are going to look at it. That's not how anyone who's outside the situation is going to look at it. They, they're going to look at it as, oh, Michigan State is a joke. They're just, they're reckless. They just, you know, it's, it's bad. It doesn't look good for anyone associated with the university and there's no other way to slice it. And it's going to follow around Mel. It's going to follow around the whole program uh, for a while. And um, you know, it's just going to have to play out. It's a very unfortunate incident that happened. And hopefully we can do things in the future uh, from many angles to avoid situations like this. And some of the stuff we talked about, about just turning down the heat on the rivalry a little bit, because it feels like it's past the point of, you know, fun banter and really has devolved into like a lot of things in our society, uh, just sort of uncivil at this point. So I think that needs to change, but uh, let's move on. We'll obviously stay on top of that stuff with more develops developments. Colin, that'll be all over it. Uh, let's switch gears to basketball. The, uh, the season got underway. Well, I guess not officially last night, Kyle, but uh, you're back in the Breslin, back in the locker room. Um, you know, it, it feels like we're fully back now, normal uh, after a couple of years of sort of COVID protocols and i know we kind of were back last year but it still in, it had an impact on the season um but it was good to see the guys back in the breslin it was good to see the Izzo rocking again uh, michigan state though i'm sitting there in that first half they're losing at halftime to a division two team and i'm like as if michigan state fans need to be like beat down anymore uh we're gonna lose to grand valley here but uh uh it you know michigan state got it together in the second half and uh what was your main takeaway from the game um just that you know, I, I, I think it was more worrisome than encouraging um, on the whole. I, I know in, in the end they ended up winning by a pretty comfortable margin. But um, that first half, you know, just 
how flat they came out, the lack of energy, um, and and really just the defense, I thought, was was problematic in the first half. I thought Grand Valley was really able to put the ball on the floor and get around Michigan State's perimeter defenders a lot more easily than they should have. And then they just they scored in the post uh, pretty uh, pretty regularly. I actually have the box score here. Their, their best player, who's a uh, post player for them, went 8 for 12 for the game, 17 points. And um, I just I think Michigan State's kind of ISO interior defense uh, is not where it needs to be. Um, and, and that's any of them, obviously. Madi Sissoko, I think he's a good rim protector. I think he's good at blocking shots around the rim, kind of help defense, um, stepping into those drivers and affecting shots. But if you're really going to get him one-on-one in the post, I don't know if it's that he's so – the good news is he didn't foul, but I don't know if the result of that is he didn't defend very well because he was trying so hard not to foul – um, and then past that, you're into freshman and Jackson Kohler and um, um, blank eyes name here, Carson Cooper. So um, that's a, that's obviously an issue overall. It's an issue because you've got Gonzaga and Kentucky in your first three games with Drew Timmy and Oscar Sheboy. Although Oscar Sheboy has Maybe. been out all yeah. preseason, yeah. So we're going to keep an eye on that um, to see if he plays, but. Um, that wasn't encouraging. Um, things that were good though. Um, uh, I thought Tyson Walker was terrific. Uh, I thought he was the only guy bringing energy in the first half. Six steals, which is all over the place on defense, uh, hit some shots. Um, I, I thought for how poorly they played in the first half, they did get it together in the second half. Um, Malik called They started running the offense really kind of through Malik call in the second half. And I thought it just worked better. I thought they got better shots out of it. I thought things flowed smoother. Uh, better, more better high percentage shots, more of those kickouts for open threes. AJ Hogard hit two of them, which, you know, it's two shots in an exhibition, but a uh, good, good start for him. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was probably a little more, like I said, more worrisome than encouraging, but I, I don't think, you know, don't sound the alarms yet. I mean, the, what the 2017 lost this exhibition and they turned out they were okay. They weren't great, but they weren't, you know, crashing and burning all year. So uh, take, take it for what it is. It's one exhibition. And it sounds like they played a lot better against Tennessee, um, according to Azo, at least. Um, so, I mean, it, I don't know. You're playing D2 Grand Valley. It's the season opener. I expect some rust. But, yeah, the dribble penetration from the bigs was pretty – they were getting way too easy of buckets. Grand Valley was also super hot in that first half. They were not missing. They were playing like it was their Super Bowl, trying to pull off the upset. But, yeah, the defense in the first half, I was pretty concerned with – Hogard and Walker, I mean, they should be amazing defensively, at least on the perimeter, which is why that early dribble penetration was a little concerning. And I thought a bright spot for Michigan State was Jackson Kohler. I know he's playing a a D2 team, but he had a couple really nice plays. I think he had three offensive rebounds. He had that spinning move on the baseline. Uh, He had that nice little turnaround jumper in the lane. I mean, we got to see sort of what we've been hearing about uh, from his offensive game. And if the Spartans need a bucket in the post – it seems like he's going to be the guy they're going to have to go to. And in the second half, you talked about getting easier shots. They were really working that inside out game where they kick it to the big, kick it out for threes, give it back to the big. Some of that was with Malik Hall. Sissoko had a couple nice little shorties and dunks, I should say. But Kohler stuck out to me with just his ability to create on offense. And they're going to need his scoring down low this year. Yeah, um, I'm. I guess I didn't mention he he did have some nice looks. I'm not sure that those are going to come as easy um, when you're not playing Grand Valley State, but he, he certainly has the offensive skills. I, I did think 
same caveats apply, but I, I did think Madi was a little better than expected offensively. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, his main thing is going to be that if you're going to help off on him when somebody's driving, um, especially AJ Hogarth driving, he's going to be right there for the lob. Um, and that, that play was there twice. So I think you got to at least stick with him and respect him. Um, but then he had, um, he had like a little short jump hook, I think. And then like a nice little turnaround on the baseline. And we hadn't seen those. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, listen, he's not going to be a, he's not going to be Nick Ward. He's not going to be dump it down there and get instant offense, but, um, can he be enough that you got to respect him and, um, and stick on him and not just help off him all the time? Yeah. Maybe. I think I saw evidence of that last night, at least. He at least played a little bit more under control. You know, he did. Yeah. I mean, there was times when he was out there, you know, just flailing around, but it seemed like he had at least a little bit, but like he wasn't on roller skates, you know? No, um, his, his defense was the bigger concern, honestly, which surprised me. Yeah, that should be where he's good. I mean, getting right. that blocks and rebounds. So um, Trey Holloman got a, got some nice run with Jade Nakins out. It was good to see him because he's like the big mystery on the team. I don't think Tom wants to play him much at the point. No. I don't think he's going to be in the rotation too much. Uh, or at least this year, I should say. And I don't think he's going to be in the rotation too much when Aikens comes back, but he did get some extended run in this. And defensively, I thought he held his own. Uh, the shot needs a little work, I think, uh, in the confidence, and it's taking too long on the release. But uh, I didn't know what to expect from him. So I, I, I'm always curious to see the freshman. And honestly, Holloman looked more comfortable than I thought he would. I, I don't think he turned the ball over. So uh, or maybe uh, I'm wrong no, that, I, that was the biggest. Well, first of all, with Trey Holloman, he wears number five as a point guard and wears a headband. So um, complete <laughs> good vibes um, there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, good vibes there, which he says is not a Cassius clone. He said he was doing all that, all that stuff before, uh, before Cassius at Michigan state. But um, no, the, the biggest thing with Holloman, I thought is he just played within himself. Um, he played 1658. So basically 17 minutes and didn't turn it over. Uh, playing point guard when he was in there three so rebounds three assists yeah yep. so um but only only took two shots so he wasn't forcing anything and he wasn't out there making bad decisions and listen set the bar low for a freshman um but if he's gonna if he's gonna go out there and not make mistakes uh you, you take that i think what'd you make of Izzo getting a tech in an exhibition game <laughs> uh yeah he had he had to give us something entertaining i mean it was a um the, there were some uh, the, 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 the refs had some rust too. Let's put it that way. And those weren't exactly <laughs> Big Ten refs. But um, no, I mean it was. I mean it was just nice to see uh, real basketball for the first time since March. And you know, you you spend all preseason just kind of asking coaches and players what everything looks like, and it's nice to kind of to kind of see what everything looks like. And um, a lot of it was expected. Um, some of it, you know, I think we've talked about is a little bit surprising. So. Um, We'll see. Uh, I I don't I don't think we've talked about it on the pod yet, but uh, Gonzaga loses to Tennessee by 19 in an exhibition. Um, so, hmm. Hey, Michigan, transitive property. Yeah, which doesn't <laughs> work in the regular season, so it's not going to work in the exhibition. But Michigan State lost by seven uh, at without Aikens. Without Aikens. Um, yeah. and Aikens, I should say, just the, the bit of news we had is it. I mean, this changes by the day. Um, but. Izzo is hoping that he can start practicing over the weekend. Um, and he has not been ruled out for the opener on Monday against Northern Arizona, um, which you'd like to have him for that. Obviously the one you'd really like him for yeah. is Gonzaga on Friday. So um, if he's a maybe for Monday, um, you'd think that he's got a pretty good shot. Now I don't know what he'll look like uh, because he'll, he'll be pretty short on uh, practice time. He has not practiced at all in the preseason, but um, you know, those who thought this was going to drag on and drag on and drag on. I mean, they're being careful, but it, it's, it's not been a setback. He's not having pain. 
they're just being very careful about it and, and he's on track to play early in the season exactly why not i don't think we know they should take it easy with him because he's super important to this team both in perimeter defense and adding another score on this team i mean they, they if Jaden akins can't play for this team it could be a, i mean that's that's devastating. So, um, you know, they, we've talked to a lot about Michigan state needing guys to step up and I think we're going to do try and do a basketball preview episode before we can uh, get this out there or before the season starts on Monday. So we can dive into that a little bit more, but uh, anything else specifically from last night's game or should we get out of here? No, no, I think that's about it. All right, cool. Um, so yeah, Michigan state pulls away, gets the win, uh, season starts on Monday, a weird, a Monday opener. That's not, I think you said, cause that's cause of election day, Kyle. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Normally they do Tuesday, but no games on election. Day, and that so game's also on BTN plus. So if you bought it for the grand Valley game, keep it at least for another week. Uh, but, but don't forget to cancel it after the Monday game. Cause then you're right. charged for the second month. Yeah, every every year I at least get that <laughs> extra month, and I'm like sitting here, and I'm just like, well, I might as well watch this random, you know, game on here. But uh, Michigan State hockey plays on there a lot, though. So if you do okay. like hockey, you know, you can check that out. But uh, that's gonna do it for today's episode of M Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. Um, appreciate Matt and Kyle for their work on the tunnel, and uh, Johnny on the spot there, Kyle. Uh, I'm sure you weren't expecting that when uh, when you were down there on no, Saturday night. But no, no, no. Um, as we said, unfortunate situation really for everyone involved, even Michigan. I mean, it's it's just a black eye for a robbery. And in college sports and any sports, you never want to see this. So um, it will play out accordingly. And those who deserve to be punished, I'm sure, will face the consequences. So uh, if you could please like, rate, interview the podcast, we very much appreciate it. You can check out our work at mlive.com slash Spartans. And so for Kyle Austin, Matt Wenzel, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you once again for listening to Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. And-